is Kidlit TV's Katja Shevchuk welcoming you to the Kidlit TV podcast. On this podcast series, you'll hear fun and enlightening conversations with stars in the Kidlit world. Storymakers Rocco Steno, contributing editor at School Library Journal, contributor to the Huffington Post, and director of Empire State Center for the book is your host. In this special episode, Rocco chats with ambassador of school libraries for Scholastics, Mr. John Shu. Maria Russo from New York Times Book Review, and John A. Sellers from Publishers Weekly. Throughout this entire episode, you will hear these three kidlit experts talk about their favorite book recommendations for the holidays. No matter how you celebrate your holiday, we know for sure that you will fall in love with some of these titles. So be sure to grab a cup of eggnog or maybe some tea, sit by the fireplace, and enjoy this episode only found on Kidlit TV. Hi, I'm Rocco Steno, and welcome to the Storymakers Holiday Special. Today, I have some special guests with me, and we're going to be sharing our favorite new holiday books. I have John Sellers. John is the Children's Reviews Editor for Publishers Weekly, and Maria Russo, the Children's Book Editor for The New York Times, and John Schumacher. John, a.k.a. Mr. Shu, John is the ambassador for school libraries for Scholastic Book Fairs. Welcome, everyone. Thank you. For Thank you. Yeah, yes, now that the holiday season is uh, upon us, what do you enjoy most about holidays? Um, well, for me, you know, I love going back, uh, seeing my family, of course. You know, food is a big part of our family. We're Italian American family, and for us, actually, Christmas Eve is kind of the bigger deal. You're Italian American, John. I, I Where's right? sellers come from? Why am I only coming here now? <laughs> I know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, on my mom's side, but, okay. um, but, but for our family, Christmas Eve is actually a bigger deal than Christmas Day. That's sort of when all, you know, breaking out all the food, all the fish dishes, open gifts, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, we do a big Christmas Eve dinner, too, being Italian. Same here. So I, I will pick something else as my favorite, because we also do great Christmas Eve fish mm -hmm. dinner. I love decorating a Christmas tree. I think it's just this fantastic home art project that everyone can get involved in, and I'm very particular, and you have a lot of older ornaments and newer ones, and you can kind of go through the box every year and get reminded, and that's always my favorite moment, is decorating the tree. And mine is the same. Every year I have a trim -a tree party where friends come over, we order pizza, we have drinks, and the thing I love the most about unpacking the ornaments is each ornament has a story, mm -hmm. and so we spend a lot of time talking about, well, who gave you yeah. this ornament, and why does part. this one deserve to be in this spot in, on the Christmas tree? And on my Christmas tree, I have a lot of whimsical and kitschy ornaments. So I have French toast and ketchup oh, bottles. So it's, it's just a lot of fun. The holidays is a time for family and friends, we all agree. And I think there are a few books that kind of show that. And John, why don't you start with uh, your pick? Yeah, so the, the first title I have is one called Over the River and Through the Wood. Um, it's by Linda Ashman and illustrated by Kim Smith and published by Sterling. And it's basically a modern update of, uh, you know, that sort of holiday song that we all know, which is, uh, you know, technically a Thanksgiving song. Um, but what I love about this book is that it, it really is applicable to any sort of wintertime holiday. No holiday is mentioned concretely or specifically. You could use it for Thanksgiving, for Christmas, for Hanukkah, for anything. And um, so that's one thing that I really love about it. And uh, the other thing that I love is just the real diversity of families that are sort of represented in the book. And you kind of get that sense even from the opening pages. Um, there's this whole like, uh, you know, family photos on the wall kind of thing. And it just shows you've got families of mixed race, families with adopted kids, families with same-sex parents. And basically, as the, the book unfolds, uh, the author is sort of redoing the song and uh, 
focusing on all the transportation woes that have kind of become part of modern day uh, the holidays, you know, how awful air, airplane travel is. And <laughs> at one point, they're even in a hot air balloon. It gets really bad. So, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I think it's a really wonderful book, and it's just so broadly applicable that it was one of my favorites for uh, the year so far. I have the song going through my head now. I know. So thank you. <laughs> well, you know, we've sung, we've sung on Kid Red TV right. before, but not today. I Maybe at the end. I appreciate yeah. that. Yes. That's probably not going to happen. <laughs> Maria? Well, I have a book, um, a beautiful book that's also a family story, but a different, a really different kind of family story that um, I've never seen before. It's called Marguerite's Christmas. Um, it's by India Desjardins and illustrated by Pascal Blanchet, published by Enchanted Lion Books, um, based right here in, in Brooklyn. And uh, it's originally published in the French. It's translated. And what's different about this book is it focuses on the oldest member of the family, a grandmother named Marguerite, who um, is really getting toward the end of her life. And uh, she, she once, we learned that she loved Christmas. And things have kind of slowed down now. And she's at the point where she doesn't even really want to be with her children and grandchildren because it's a little too tiring. And she's happy that they're happy. And she hopes that they understand that. So it's a very quiet Christmas story. We follow her through the day in this really beautiful, um, retro, kind of vintage, mid-century modern looking art um, with beautiful snow-covered houses and cars and a sort of city street. But what happens is nothing, really, as the day goes on. She's, she's going to be alone. She's going to watch her Christmas specials that she really looks forward to. And as she's kind of having her quiet Christmas, a family outside her door, uh, their car breaks down. And she realizes outside the window that they're celebrating Christmas inside the car. She's, they're singing and unwrapping their presents. They come and knock on the door and ask if they can use the telephone. And she says yes. And then they come back and say, oh, could we use the bathroom? And she says yes. And then she, then she suddenly realizes, you know, I'm not so scared, because at first she's scared of them. She goes out and um, brings them a, a, a drink. And just as she's bringing it outside in this, this really beautiful spread, um, their car is driving away. Um, but, but that's OK. I mean, it's, it's definitely a, a different kind of Christmas yeah. book. It's you know, the tuning attuned a little bit more to the sense of loss and sadness that a lot of people feel in Christmas. And I think the right kind of kid will really appreciate this. You know, a great book uh, to share with uh, families who have elderly members. Yeah. You know. Uh, exactly. Around the holidays. I, th I think this is a this is a book I, I was surprised and happy to come across. Well, it sounds like it could make a great uh, holiday uh, uh, television special. You know, one of the things. It, it, it would. Yes. Yeah. You know, when I was growing exactly up, right. when I was growing up, I always liked that a Hallmark Hall of Fame uh, specials. And, and when I saw this uh, book, uh, the the Invisible Thread, A Christmas Story, I said, oh, this will make a great television special uh, also. It's based on a true story, and uh, it was an adult book uh, by Laura Schroff and Alexander Drazanowski, and uh, illustrated by uh, Barry Ro uh, Root. And uh, it's about a, a professional businesswoman in uh, New York City who befriends a, uh, a boy uh, who's never really celebrated uh, Christmas. And he, uh, she takes him uh, in uh, to her family, and they go off to the suburbs where her sister and her family uh, lives. And he experiences his uh, first uh, Christmas celebration. It's one of those kind of tear-jerky type of books, which you always love around the holidays. I think they need to be in the mix. Too. Yes, most definitely.
Yes, John, what do you have? Well, I have Clifford Celebrates Hanukkah. Clifford is probably one of the most iconic characters. Um, for 13 years, I worked in an elementary school just outside of Chicago. And one of the things I loved the most when kindergarten would come for the first time is that's actually when I would introduce Clifford. And so we would read various Clifford books. We would spend time on Clifford's website. But it took 149 books, 150 Clifford books, before Clifford finally celebrated Hanukkah. And he is celebrating Hanukkah this year. So in the book, Clifford Celebrates Hanukkah, Emily Elizabeth, Clifford's best friend, go to her friend Michelle's house. And Michelle is Jewish, and she is celebrating Hanukkah. And her family takes Clifford and Emily Elizabeth through all of the traditions that they do such as lighting the menorah and eating latkes. And toward the end of the book, as we know, in all Clifford books, there must be some type of conflict. Mm -hmm. Well, the big menorah, one of the lights on the big menorah goes out. So who is going to help save the day? Who is tall enough to save the day? Of course, Clifford. So he goes up to the top, and he's able to illuminate the menorah again. So I think it's a very accessible way. It's a, it's a nice way to introduce Hanukkah uh, to children and to celebrate it with Clifford. Speaking of Hanukkah, I have a book that incorporates both Hanukkah and an iconic Christmas uh, figure, Santa Claus. Uh, it's uh, Dear Santa, Love Rachel Rosenstein. Uh, all she wanted for Hanukkah was Christmas. And it's written by Amanda Pete and Andrea Troyer, illustrated by Christine Devenier. And uh, it is by Doubleday, an imprint of Random House. As I've been told by many, uh, Jewish friends who weren't able to celebrate Christmas. They always wanted to. And uh, Rachel is no exception. She actually writes a letter to Santa asking him to come to her house. And despite leaving uh, lockers with uh, chocolate chips for Santa, her family tries to tell her that Santa probably will not uh, stop at their house. And that's what happens. He doesn't stop there, and she's not very happy, as we can see. But uh, as it is a tradition in many uh, Jewish families, especially in uh, New York City area, they do go out for uh, Chinese food. At the Chinese restaurant, they not only meet her classmate, who's Chinese, who does not celebrate Christmas, but there's, there's also a Muslim and some other um, people who don't uh, celebrate Christmas. And she actually realizes that she is not the only one that uh, doesn't have that holiday, but she has her own holiday. Yes, but uh, yeah, but do you have, uh, you must have a Santa book, I right? I do have a Santa book. And you know, I, I know in last year's, uh, uh, last year's episode, you uh, highlighted John Agee's Little Santa. And I have another sort of Santa origin story for you guys. And it is called When Santa Was a Baby. It's by Linda ba Bailey, and it's illustrated by Geneviève Godbout. Uh, it's from Tundra Books, uh, which oh. is a Canadian publisher. And basically, it's about a, a, you know, a family, and they, they give birth to a little baby boy who just is not like other children in, in a lot of ways. And they, they can't quite make heads or tails of what uh, you know, this baby's like. You know, he doesn't kind of coo. He sort of booms with a big ho, ho, ho from a young age. Um, he loves the cold. He, when, when they give him presents, he gives them all away. 
Um, and, and he just grows up that way. And you know, he, he desperately wants, um, he draws the, the, the pet that he wants. And uh, you know, they, they, they think it's a unicorn, but <laughs> secret, spoiler alert, it's, it's a reindeer. I love his rosy cheeks. Yeah, he's got red, red rosy cheeks. You know, the belly starts uh, showing up, you know. <laughs> And you know, eventually he, you know, he, he, you know, comes into his own. He kind of embraces his destiny. And what I and what I love about this book, there's a few things. I mean, there's these wonderful like, sort of pastel and, and pencil illustrations that really feel like just like soaked in nostalgia, and it sort of kind of evokes these sort of childhood memories. And the other thing that I feel like is such a great part about it is that this is Santa, you know, realizing as a, even as a child that these are the qualities that make him who he is. And I feel like it's such a great message that like you know the things that define you as a child or things that you love can really bloom into passions that even if you're not Santa can still be an amazing part of your adult life. Does it explain how we how we met Mrs. Gloss? No, Does they, it get I, into that? I, I That's I the sequel. Yeah. The sequel. <laughs> Next year. It's not a complete uh, biography, okay. unfortunately, no. but there's it's still more. a lovely book. That's so. right, yes. <laughs> Maria, what do you have? Well, it's not exactly a Santa book. and It's another kind of off the beaten path uh, Christmas book. It's called Too Many Toys, uh, with an exclamation point. Uh, not to be confused with David Shannon's Too Many Toys, no exclamation point from a few years ago. <laughs> this a is a different book. That's a good way to book. differentiate um, the two. <laughs> this is by Heidi Deedman, a debut author illustrator. Oh. Uh, her first book from Candlewick. And um, this is the story of little Lulu, who has a special toy named Jupiter her whole life. And it's always her favorite toy, but uh, as tends to happen year by year, her toy collection grows oh and grows and grows until it's actually a problem, <laughs> um, especially after Christmas. So midway through the book, we see a Christmas and we see her, her house just overflowing with her toys. And so uh, Lulu just had too many toys. Uh, so so uh, she decides to uh, have a great big enormous toy giveaway. Aww. And uh, all her friends come and she gives away all her toys. And I think you know the, the, the toy giveaway scene is kind of a party. It's, it's kind of fun. So I, I don't think, I think this book actually will be enjoyed by children, um, especially because the very last page uh, says still there might be a tiny bit of space for just a few more toys next Christmas. Um, and, and Jupiter, her old teddy bear, saying, uh-oh. <laughs> so uh, the art um, is really kind of offbeat and, and interesting. And, and I, you know, this, this book reminds me of, a, it's, it has a kind of classic feel. It reminds me of um, you know, the man who did not wash his dishes, in a way. It's kind of a cautionary, fable-like tale for kids about you know, finding your limits. And I think you know, we all need this around Christmas time. And so it's not too much of a downer that you can have, she has some toys, but maybe not too many. Well, speaking of toys, I have Toys Meet Snow by Emily Jenkins and Paul O. Zielinski, published by Schwartz and Wade. And I am always attracted to Schwartz and Wade's books because I know when I pick up a Schwartz and Wade book, it's going to have good paper stock. It's going to have phenomenal illustrations. But the first thing I noticed when I received this book in the mail was the glitter cover. So feel the glitter because it feels nice. And of course, kids are attracted to that. Um, many people are familiar with these characters already because they starred in a chapter book series. The first book is Toys Go Out, Toy Dance Party, and then Toys Come Home. And after Toys Come Home, they thought the series was over. And I know Paul Zielinski was really sad about that because he loves drawing these characters. So they decided to tell the character story in a picture book format. And this book, in my opinion, has the best subtitle of the year. It has the longest subtitle of the year. But I think it provides a nice summary. So I'm going to read you the subtitle that you could never share on Twitter because you'd 
use all your characters. <laughs> so this book is called Toys Meet Snow, being the wintertime adventures of a curious stuffed buffalo, a sensitive plush stingray, and a book-loving rubber ball. And right there, you see what we have the, these three characters. And the three characters in this book are so different from each other. And that's what I really appreciate, because I know that a child is going to see themselves in one of those characters. So we have Lumpy, who is a stuffed buffalo. And look how cute Lumpy is. We have Stingray, who's a plush Stingray. And we have Plastic, who is a rubber ball. And she can't help that her name does not match her body, which I think is, is so wonderful. Now, I do have a favorite spread from this book. Um, and I think it pairs very nicely with Kevin Hankus's Waiting, where you see that the ball and the Stingray and the stuffed buffalo are looking out the window. And they're wondering, well, what is going on out there? And I want to go out, and I want to explore, and I want to discover snow. So that's what they decide to do. After working really hard to get the door open, eventually the three characters go outside, and they have conversations in which one character looks at things from a very scientific perspective, one character looks at things from a very emotional perspective, and the other character just kind of goes in between the two. So I think this book is gorgeous. I think that it makes a phenomenal read aloud. And when I read this book, I posted online that I think every picture book creator should look at this book to study how to break apart text. Because oh, Paula Zielinski did an amazing job of taking Emily's manuscript and positioning each word in the perfect location. This book is cozy, it's comfortable. It's one of those books that you want to hug and you want to share with it's everyone. Funny I know. And it's, it's funny. It's funny. The, the Ziploc bag. Yeah, that's my favorite. Well, she's, she's dry clean only. Yeah. Yeah. You got to suit up one way or the other to go yeah. outside. So it's a book that makes you laugh, a book that makes you think, a book that makes you ponder, and a book that I hope gets into the hands of as many children as possible. I bet you have a Santa book for us. I do, Rocco. I brought Click, Clack, Ho, Ho, Ho. You do that very well, John. Thank you, Rocco. I practiced in, this, on the, in the cab on my way over. Um, <laughs> this book is by the team, Doreen Cronin and Betsy Lewin, who brought us Click, Clack, Moo, Cows That Type, Duck for President, and Doobie Doobie Moo, which are all phenomenal read-alouds. I was actually on the fence about bringing this book, but then I Skyped with my colleague, Robin Hoffman, and during our Skype call, she read me this book. And I said, Robin, you have convinced me with your beautiful read-aloud voice and, and, the, and the passion that you brought to the story that I must bring this to New York with me to talk about on Kidlet TV. So this book is published by Simon & Schuster. And it is, of course, it stars all the characters who we know from all those books who, I've, who I mentioned. And in this, in this volume, Farmer Brown and his animals are preparing for Christmas. And Farmer Brown is getting everything set, like pigs stocking and sheep stocking and the cows stocking. And when he's doing that, he hears a jingle up on the roof. But it's not actually Santa, it's Duck. He has on some binoculars that look like magnifying glasses. And you think right away, well, what is he going to be doing? Is he going to pretend that he's Santa? Is he going to stand on the roof and wait for Santa Claus? And I like this because I'm attracted to wordless spreads, because I find that with wordless books and wordless spreads as a read aloud, I often have richer conversations. So I appreciated that. So Farmer Brown has to rush up 
to bed because he doesn't want to be there when Santa arrives. But what we see is that duck gets stuck in the chimney. And all the animals need to now come and help duck. So on the page it says, ho, 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 uh-oh, duck is stuck. And then the sheep go up to unstuck duck, ho, 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 uh-oh, the sheep are stuck. So it has, it has a nice rhyme. It's a predictable story that I think will be very engaging during story time. So I'm glad that Robin Hoffman read it to me and that I brought, brought it to share with all of you. Yeah, you know, this year there are uh, a few books that have urban settings, and uh, I know I have one, and Maria, I think you may have I one I have too. a wonderful uh, New York Christmas book, Miracle on 133rd Street by Sonia Manzano, okay. the mm -hmm. beloved Sonia Manzano of Sesame Street, of course, um, who also has a, a memoir mm -hmm. this year that I really would recommend for, for older, yeah. Yeah, for YA, mid, even middle grade readers, uh, mm -hmm. Becoming Maria, it's yeah. called. Now that's a scholastic oh, yeah. book, that's and, scholastic. And, and this book is. This one is Athenaeum, mm -hmm. Simon and Schuster. Um, this is obviously a, a picture book for the younger uh, children. It's. Uh, a fantastic New York City apartment building story. This is a, a, a subgenre of, of uh, urban picture books that I love. Books that are set in apartment buildings where you have a lot of different families whose lives interconnect in various ways. It's not always pretty, it's not always smooth, but by the end it's always really fun and, um, and warm. And so this is about a little boy named Jose who lives in an apartment building with his mommy and his poppy. They're from Puerto Rico. And the mom is really upset because she's trying to make a roast for Christmas and it doesn't fit in the oven, their tiny apartment oven. In Puerto Rico, they could have gone outside and used a nice big outside oven. Everything here is too small. So Jose, little Jose, has the idea of taking the roast down to the pizzeria on the oh. corner and seeing if the pizza guy will let them use the oven. And the dad uh, takes him downstairs and they go down to the pizzeria. They, and it turns out the you know, regular Ray's pizzeria, um, which is a nice little inside New York mm. joke. And it turns out that Ray is really lonely there in the pizzeria on Christmas because no one stays there to eat. And so he welcomes them in, he puts the roast in the oven, and as it's cooking in the pizza oven, this incredible aroma starts filling the pizzeria. And we get a little bit of Christmas magic. The, the aroma um, suddenly makes Ray decide that maybe he will, he'll, he'll feel a little bit better about Christmas and he, comes, he decides he'll come with them to celebrate back at their house. And then all the grouchy neighbors that were complaining as they were taking the roast down one by one uh, kind of smell the smell and, and join the, the party. So by the end, we have um, the whole building uh, joining in to celebrate Christmas with this magical um, roast. And the illustrator, Marjorie Priceman, does a really beautiful, uh, colorful palette that the thing I like about it is it's not too heavy on the red and green. Mm -hmm. You know, it, she brings in lots mm -hmm. of so um, more yellows and blues, and it's really um, a, a book that I think is city kids will like, kids who don't live in the city will appreciate um, the energy and, and the, the little bit of magic in it. And, uh, um, and Sonia Manzano, um, as in addition to being a wonderful actress, can really write. Mm -hmm. She yes. writes a beautiful yeah. book. We're, we're going to have to ask her where she got that idea about the uh, pizza oven, because growing up in Brooklyn, 
at Thanksgiving time, people would actually bring their turkeys to I've the never pizza. Heard of to that. the pizza. Well, maybe pizzeria. this came from so her real life. Yeah, so it may have come from her real life. Yeah. yeah so that's very uh, mm -hmm. uh, interesting. But it's I, I as I. I've never seen it in a, in a book before, no. so. And I haven't even thought about that in decades until mm. you just mentioned that. You know, I, I have an, another book um, that's uh, based in New York. It's uh, uh, Oscar and the Eight Blessings. And guess who the publisher <laughs> is? You could have the Flatiron Building. It's uh, by Macmillan. I think it's Roaring Brook. It is by Richard and Tanya Simon and illustrated by Mark uh, Siegel. In the author's notes, he mentions that it's based on a family story, and it's based uh, in 1938. And it's very interesting that it actually begins with a, a visual prologue and a crystal knocked, and Oscar has to leave his country, and his parents send him on the title page, you see him coming to America, where he has uh, an address. And he uh, arrives in New York, uh, at lower part of New York uh, City, and he has to make his way all the way up uh, Manhattan to his uh, aunt's house. And as he's going up New York, he meets various people who help him. You know, there is a this fellow here who is in a newsstand that gives him a comic book, and it just happens to be a Superman comic book, because in 1938, it was the first year that Superman came out. And then uh, he uh, actually uh, goes uh, and meets uh, various people. Uh, he, he's at uh, Carnegie Hall and on uh, West 57th Street, and he meets this fellow who whistles to him, and it happens to be Count Basie. And then he goes a little further up, town and he meets a woman and it's none other than Eleanor Roosevelt. He gets uptown just in time to celebrate uh, Hanukkah with uh, his aunt. So anyway, another one that would make a great holiday special. One more, sticking with the uh, kind of religious theme. I thought, you know, yes. back on the, on the Christmas side of things, uh, a book called Goodnight Manger. Uh, it's by Laura Sassi and illustrated by Jane Chapman. And it's actually a companion, I think, to a book that came out last year, Goodnight Ark. Um, and what I, you know, I kind of was realizing when I was picking these books today that all, all the books that I've chosen are sort of taking something really traditional and sort of either updating it or tweaking it or having a little bit of fun with it. And then this book is no different. Um, it's basically sort of a bedtime story, almost like a lullaby about um, the manger and Jesus has just, just been born. But it's doesn't take itself too seriously. There's a couple things that I like about it. One is that uh, Jesus and his parents look like they would have actually been born in the Middle East. This is not a whitewashed Christmas story. These, mm -hmm. This looks like people who actually would have lived in Bethlehem, that sort of thing. And the other is that it's sort of a little bit more realistic. It's sort of like, you know, it's noisy when you've got barnyard animals all over the place and visitors descending everywhere. And so basically, they're trying to put you know the baby to sleep, and it, it's noisy, and he's like throwing a fit, you know, because what you know what new mother doesn't want like you know foreign dignitaries and shepherds <laughs> descending immediately after you've just given birth, like you right. know, it's everyone, yes. everyone's dream. The uh, infant Jesus there is definitely a Middle Eastern. Yeah, and it's uh, such a nice detail, infant, and and, right. and it, it goes throughout the art. It's all written in rhymes. They they they're, they're so smoothly written and. Uh, I don't know, a lot of fun. They have uh, basically, you know, in this one scene, it's, you know, soon hosannas overhead, rouse the little sleepy head. Angels' voices shout with joy, meet this precious baby boy. Mama says, be quiet, please. Your voices carry on the breeze. And who's the uh, author and illustrator? So, yeah, so it's, it's Laura Sassi and Jane Chapman. It's pu published by uh, Zondervan. Okay. But I thought they did a really nice job of sort of, you know, both being respectful and, and reverent in terms of, you know, this part of the Christmas holiday, but at the same time, 
being able to have a little fun and realize that like in this particular situation, when you've got you know itchy hay and you know noisy animals, that it, you know might take a little bit of doing to get baby Jesus down yeah. to sleep. So I thought they did a really nice job right. with it. Well, thanks for sharing those uh, books. What a great uh, I guess it's twelve books, right? But they're three each. And you know the holidays is also a great time for giving books out as gifts. And I know I know for a fact that we each brought up a suggestion for a holiday gift book. So Maria, I, yours is still in the Christmas vein. Yeah, this yes. is a book that um, really caught my eye called Dear Santa, Children's Christmas Letters and Wish Lists, 1870 to 1920, published by Chronicle. Um, I thought this would be a great gift to bring uh, because to a family that you're going to visit because really everyone in the family could, could enjoy this book. And you can kind of keep it around and dip into it here and there, and just find these incredible little treasures um, from, you know, uh, some of them are American, some of them are British, some of them are Australian, and you just really are reminded um, how little children had, you know, through most of history, and also that, that, that the, the whole um, excess of Christmas really wasn't always the case. A lot of these um, children are asking for some candy and nuts and oranges. Um, that's a, a big theme. Uh, a lot of them are, um, they're just incredibly uh, heartwarming. Some of them are heartbreaking. Uh, some of them are, are great. Dear Santa, I want to thank you for nice things that you have always brought me and want to ask you for some more favors. Please bring me a signet ring and a book called Little Women. I hope you will remember the little children from Juanita in, in Oklahoma. Mm. Uh, Dear Santa, because I thought I would write to let you know that I have moved and I hope you won't forget me this year. We have had no tree since the earthquake, and we lived in a shack until a few days ago. I also have a little sister six years old and a little brother, and he is eight years old. She would like the same. I would like a doll's buggy and my stocking full and a Christmas tree. Uh, and this is from San Francisco in 1907, oh. right after the earthquake. Mm -hmm. So there's some history here. Um, there's just the fantastic opportunity to hear children's voices from different parts of the country and the world. and. Um, and then just, you know, the reminder of, of how Santa has been this incredible figure in the childhood imagination uh, for so long and really hasn't changed all that much. Um, and it's beautifully done. Chronicle obviously does beautiful uh, gift books of all kinds. And I like the uh, ribbon uh, they, there's, a, there's a ribbon. I've always, yeah, you always like a little, a little <laughs> velvet yes, ribbon, right. yes. the very vintage um, typeface and, and um, end papers, everything about this book is, is really nice. I think it would be a nice gift. And John, did you bring that heavy book with you all the way from Chicago? I did not put this in my suitcase, Rocco, or my carry-on, because it is a, a very heavy book. But as you can see, this is a marvelous I'm and beautiful being book. being blinded by that gold. <laughs> actually, that. I went to um, Strand Bookshop to buy this, and I was really picky about how the gold looked. Because the two copies that were in front of the copy ended up buying, it was a little bit scratched. And I, I, was, I was not going to buy a scratched For one. less discriminating readers. <laughs> yeah. I even went up to a bookseller and I said, are these the only copies you have? <laughs> so I don't know. I think security was going like to come get me. It's like picking oranges or a fruit, right? Yes. It was. But look at this. It's beautiful. I keep saying it's marvelous, which is getting a little old. Yeah. So this is The Marvels, written and illustrated by Brian Selznick, published by Scholastic Press. And as we all know with a Brian Selznick book, we wait a long time because you know, it takes him three to five years to make a book, but it's worth 
the weight. Now this book, I'm going to back up a little bit and talk about the two books that we can kind of look at this as part of a trilogy. So the first book is The Invention of Hugo Cabret that came out in 2007. And I'll never forget when that book was published because it was one of those books that just every child in my third grade classroom read. Where it was like, oh, come on, you need to read this in one night because it's, I want, it's my turn to read Hugo next. And that was the first time I had seen a book where everybody in the class wanted to read it. Then the second book is Wonderstruck, and now the final book is The Marvels. Now, the stories are not related, but the structure is. So in The Invention of Hugo Cabret, it goes back and forth from, um, from illustrations and regular chapters. In Wonderstruck, it tells two different stories told 50 years apart. We have Ben's story, and we have Rose's story. And then eventually the two stories come together. This book is present, presented very differently. The first 400 pages are illustrated. And when you're reading the first 400 pages, you feel like a speed reader. Yeah, you're like, wow, I'm on page 350, and only an hour has passed. But so this is my first recommendation. Take your time when you're reading the illustrated section, because there's so many details. A lot of details. So many. And when you get to the prose section, I recommend going back and rereading the illustrations. You're really reading the illustrations. I had put on Facebook this morning that I'm in Central Park rereading the illustrated section. I was waiting for someone to say, you're not rereading it. You, you really are. It's such a visual literacy in this book. Now, I feel very protective of this book because I don't want anyone to spoil anything. Oh, there's like, a lot I of know, twists there and surprises. Is. And so yeah. I always say I probably give the worst book talk about the Marvels because I don't want to tell you what it's about because I want you to go into this book. And, and you both have, we've, we've all read it. You want you to go into it and not have one little thing spoiled. I'll never forget when I read Wonderstruck and for the first time you see what Ben looks like. I had to put the book down and take a break because I was so overwhelmed with emotion. I felt like that with this book too. It takes a lot to make me cry. There are two books that have made me sob. The first book is The One and Only Ivan by Catherine Applegate. I had a catharsis reading that book. The second book, The Marvels. I, I sat in my living room crying for an hour after reading this book. Last thing I want to say about this book is when all three books are together on your shelf, they look they so look, yeah. awesome. <laughs> uh, I have it on the top shelf. Where I sit at my desk in my office, I see, obviously, bookcases. And I position them in the perfect spot so that Hugo is looking at me, and Rose is looking at me, and now George is looking at me. And I saw Brian Selznick earlier in this week, and I told him that. And I told him I'm waiting for them to start talking to me. And that's either when I seek help or... <laughs> <laughs> so you like the book, John? Oh, I love the book. <laughs> I love the book. Now, I know I haven't told you what it's about, but I don't, don't want to. Don't. So just trust me. Trust me. This is an amazing, marvelous book. And now I will stop calling it marvelous. <laughs> John. So I have uh, Happy by Pharrell Williams. Um, I think everybody knows this song. It is inescapable. It has been inescapable since about 2014, somewhere in there. You've done that to us twice now today. I know, but <laughs> I, 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 keep, I keep bringing books that require singing, and I'm not going to sing. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, yeah, so this one you know, is now inescapable in a new format. Uh, and so what they did, which was so nice, it's, it's the lyrics of the song, which, you know, we can probably all summon pretty quickly. But what they, did, they just did some, like, crazy photo shoot, and they've got all these kids with chalk-drawn backdrops and cardboard props and all sorts of costumes, kids from around the globe. And they just did such a nice job with it. It's 
such a fun thing. And I feel like this is a song that like all families are f know. I'm sure every kid has like you know been dancing to this. You know when it comes on the radio, that sort of thing. It's it's a song that families can enjoy together, and I feel like it's a book families can enjoy together too. Great. You know I uh, picked a book that you know if you don't have a children of your own, and you really don't know what book to buy, people will always tend to go and pick up a Dr. Seuss book. So. Uh, Many, many of you probably heard that there is a new Dr. Seuss book. It goes, what pet should I get? Actually, this was like the first children's book to appear on the front page of the book review when it came That's out. Right, yeah. yeah, so it was uh, a book that was uh, found in Dr. Seuss's uh, papers. And it's a book you're not going to find at uh, a flea market because it just came out. You'll find all those other Dr. Seuss books at flea markets, but you won't find this one. And it's uh, on the bestseller list, and uh, people will know who you're talking about when you, uh, uh, you know, give them the book. You know the holidays is a magical time, and I can do a little magic, so watch this. Magic. And one last request from my guests is a toast. So we'll start right there with John. Uh, to books leading us to joy. To books that bring friends and family together. To books that you'll remember for years to come. And books that will open children's minds and hearts to the world. Cheers. Cheers. Happy holidays, everyone. And thank you all for being here. Remember, until next time, give a kid a book in any format. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Want to see the video for this episode? Then be sure to visit www.kidlit.tv, winner of the Parents' Choice Gold Award. See you next week.